Welcome to this week's sermon from Heights Worship Center. We believe God has something for you today. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. Come on, Jesus, we love you. You're so good to us. That just shows us that the world can only catch up to what you're doing. And if we would learn to tune in to what you're speaking and what you're revealing, we'll also be ahead of what's happening in the natural. We thank you for the privilege, the freedom that we have to unite, to listen to the word, to worship in spirit and in truth, to pray for one another, to encourage each other. We thank you, Lord. We do pray for many of our church families who are driving from Utah this afternoon. We pray that you would keep them safe. We ask that there would be no problems or accidents or car issues, but they would all get home safe. And we thank you, Lord, for today. As we get into the word, Holy Spirit, we thank you that we are in an open heaven, that you're here with us, that you're speaking in a way that we can understand. So we, we position ourselves to hear to receive, to respond. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. 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 So thank you so many of you who've been praying for me. Um, I physically don't feel bad per se, but my throat is not good. And so my voice sounds like this, thanks to Good News Club. I think those kids took it out of me. Um, But I'm grateful to be here. And uh, so if I have to stop and drink some tea, just bear with me today. Amen. You know when I'm drinking tea, not coffee, that says something. (laughs) All right. So as you found out, for whatever reason, we can't access the main computer today. So all the scriptures I put in there yesterday are locked away. So pull out your Bibles, your phones. Hopefully you had your Bibles. Maybe this was the Holy Spirit test. I don't know. (laughs) In Matthew 28. All right, Matthew 28. I'm going to do something that I've seen Pastor Jaron do a time or two. Colleen, will you grab the mic that Monette was using? Bring your Bible with you or your phone. Colleen's going to be my reader today. Yeah, grab that microphone. Not that one, sweetie, the one over there. Ooh, your earphones are running behind you. Um, If you don't know, Colleen is attending the theater school at USC. So she's really good at public speaking. (laughs) All right. So if you can read Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Okay. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now Mark chapter 16. Verse 15 through 20. And then he told him, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt. It won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down on in the place of honor at God's right hand. 
And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. All right, so these are two different versions of the same story where Jesus tells his disciples he's about to ascend into heaven. He's taught them for three years. They've witnessed his power, his miracles, his healings. They've seen his death, his burial, and his resurrection. For 40 days, he walked among them after he was raised from the dead. He ate to show that he was the same guy, <laughs> that he still needed to eat. Difference was he could walk through walls. That's pretty cool. And uh, as he was about to, uh, thank you, see, as he was about to ascend into heaven, he gives very important instructions to his disciples. And it wasn't just for those, I don't know, they say there was probably about 500 that were there that day that witnessed it, but it's for you and me. Tell your neighbor, it's still for you. For all of us who decide to follow Jesus, we are all given the same commission. I like the word commission. Commission, right? Because you and I are co-missioned with Jesus. In Matthew 28, he says, I am with you always. So wherever we go, God is with you. Isn't that amazing? You go to work, God is with you. You go to the store, God is with you. You go to the hospital, you find yourself in jail. You go to a family reunion. I'm just saying, God has no limitations. As the psalmist says, if I go to the depths, you are there. If I ascend to the heights, you are there. There's nowhere that we could go. So in this mission that you and I have been given, God is with us. It's a co-mission. That means that when I share my faith, when I tell others about Jesus, it's not something that I have to do myself. I get to do it with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad to know he didn't leave us on our own? Oh, thank you, Jesus, right? And not only is it a co-mission with Christ, but it's a co-mission with each other. Because we encourage one another. We talk to one another. We pray for one another. We walk with one another. We journey with one another. And so it is a co-mission. Wherever you go, Jesus said, preach the gospel. And there's something that tells you that's so important. Is that the gospel is not limited to the church on Sunday morning. Right? The gospel message is not limited to certain preachers and podcasters and certain platforms. The gospel of Jesus is in you and me as believers of Christ. And we are called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're called to tell people about our faith and the good news. Everybody say good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. And what Jesus said, he said in Mark here, he said it will be in every place. Right? And what does that mean? That the gospel message is for anybody and everybody. No geographical barriers, no educational barriers, no economic status divisions, no racial divisions. All. All. That means even the people at work that you look at and you're like, really, them too? Yes, them too. Even those who have hurt you and done wrong towards you, even them. There is no one ever alive that, does, that God does not want to see come to faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says it is God's will that all would come to faith. Say it again, all. all. And how does that happen? He works through you and me. He chose to co-mission with us. He chose to partner with us. And both, the I like Mark 16 because it says, let's going to read verse 17. Again, read verse 17 and 18. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. 
They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. So the preaching of the gospel, the sharing of our faith, is to be partnered with the power of God. I think this is something that we lack in many ways here in the American culture, church culture. But there is a partnering that Jesus intended when you preach the miraculous, the signs and wonders, the healings, the deliverances. It's to partner with the message so that people will believe. It's what Jesus did. He moved in signs and wonders and healings and preached the gospel and it opened up people's attention. You and I are also called to move in the supernatural. It's not just me who can lay hands on the sick and pray for healing and see it. You can too. And you should. Not only me who can cast out demons, and I've done it, but you can too. Not only Pastor Nilo Sr. raising the dead, hashtag bucket list, we can too. Why? Because this is the power of the Holy Spirit. Not to make a show. Not to say I'm anything because it ain't me. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's for the glory of God. It's to open up people's hearts. When we identify with people's suffering, when we are compassionate to what they're going through, when we're willing to listen to their stories and we're willing to pray and share with them how we've experienced the peace and the comfort and the healing of Jesus, then that begins to soften the hardness of their hearts. Remember last week, hard hearts prevent the, the gospel, the seed, to penetrate and make a change. So sometimes you and I need to not be moved with, oh, I better do something. I'm a Christian. I better preach. But what if we were just moved with compassion? I'm struck in the Gospels by how Jesus was moved by compassion and therefore he fed the multitudes. He was moved by compassion so he healed the leopard. He was moved by compassion so he touched the blind man and opened the eyes. Do you not realize it? Jesus did what he did because he was moved with compassion for a broken humanity. You and I are not better than anyone else. We've just found the answer in Jesus Christ. And you and I need to be willing to not only share the, the level of brokenness we've had and how Christ has ministered to us, but we cannot judge people for their brokenness. We need to walk with them in their brokenness, be a safe place in their brokenness, in their hurting, in their wounding, so we can bring them the answer. It's Jesus Christ. Amen. He was moved with compassion. May our hearts be filled with compassion. Because you know what happens? Compassion is not just like, oh, I feel bad for you. That's not compassion. Compassion is not feeling sorry for someone. Compassion is seeing a need and wanting to do something about it. That's why we pray for the sick and believe that God will heal them because we're having compassion for their pain and suffering. That's why we're willing to listen to their stories as Jesus did time and time again. I need you to get this from here to here, you are called to lay hands on the sick and see them healed. You are called to cast out demons. You are called to raise the dead. You are called to speak words that are in the right season so that when the Holy Spirit says now, they're ready to respond in faith. Some of you look a little freaked out. But it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit in you. Say, it's not me. Thank the Lord for that. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. We're going to read just verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus gave us his authority and the command to go. Go and preach, baptize, teach, lay hands on the sick. He was giving us his authority from God the Father. So he was saying, here's my ability to do so. Now I'm putting it in you and I'm sending you. But I'm also going to give you the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, now you have the power to do it. The boldness to do it. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to live for Jesus. If you have not yet been baptized with the Holy Spirit, then I have to tell you, come and talk to me. I'll explain what it is. That is like leveling up in the sense of experiencing the power of God to enable you to do what you could not otherwise do. And then let's look at Acts chapter 4. Keep it up in your Bibles. Acts chapter 4. We're going to be in here for a few verses. We're just going to start with verses 29 through 31. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So even the disciples faced threats and fear about preaching the gospel. They knew their assignment, but they also were persecuted. Here, Peter and John were thrown into jail because they, through the name of Jesus, released healing to a man who had been born lame. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders didn't like it, so they threw him in jail and questioned them and beat them. And they got out and they counted it all joy. <laughs> they were excited. And you know what their response was? Oh, no, what are we going to do? I think we should hide. Maybe we shouldn't talk about our faith. Maybe we should keep it to ourselves. No, they said, Holy Spirit, stretch out your hand. Give us boldness to preach the gospel. Back us up with your power. You and I still feel fear when it comes to sharing faith. We also get threatened. You better stop that. Family members, we don't talk about religion. People on social media blasting you, canceling you, right? There is still this concept that the church has wrongfully bought in, myself included, because I grew up in the church in America. There are two things you don't talk about. Politics and, see, you all know what I'm talking about. And so this has been like perpetrated in our culture. Don't talk about religion. Your faith is a personal thing. Keep it to yourself. I've never read that in Bible. The scripture says the opposite. Go, talk about it. Everywhere you go. Talk about it. Share it. Talk about it. So if you hear someone say, keep your faith to yourself, it's personal. Is that from Jesus? No. So should we follow it? But do we often follow it? Yeah. Because it's deeply ingrained. It's something that I've realized has been deeply ingrained that I am subconsciously doing it without realizing it. Oh, I'm at work when I was working at the nursing, uh, at the hospital as a nurse. You know, that, that little nudge where the Holy Spirit's like, share your faith. And I'm like, it's personal. We're not supposed to talk about it. You know how those are the thoughts that come right up right away. So the Holy Spirit said, is that my word or someone else's word? And I realized it's not his word. He commands us to go and preach the gospel. Now, not preach in the way of, you better repent, you sinner. Blah, 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 blah. Not that. 
And I'm going to talk about the practical ways that we preach the gospel and we share our faith. But we have to ask the Holy Spirit to give us boldness. I don't know about you, but I need boldness. I don't know why. I can talk in front of a crowd. I've led worship in front of tens of thousands of people. I've seen God do great things. Then you're one-on-one and you're like, really, Jesus? Now you want me to talk about it? Right? Some of us skydive. And then it just tell them about Jesus. Oh. <laughs> it's like we can face so many fears that when it comes to talking about Jesus, all of a sudden we're just like, it's just blank. It's like, I have no thought. I can't think. Who's Jesus? What do I believe? I don't even know what I believe. <laughs> Anybody relate to me? It's okay. This is a real church. So that's why we have to ask and recognize if you have a tendency to keep it to yourself, you have to pray like they did. Help us to be bold. Give us courage to share our faith because Jesus did not intend our faith to be a personal thing we keep to ourselves. He intended our faith to be used to give him glory, to let people see there is a God who's real, who loved them enough to send this son, Jesus Christ, to die for sin so we could have new life Amen. here and forever. So everybody... Tell your neighbor, go and do. Go and do. Say it again. I want to keep reading in verses 32 through 35. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owed was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. So here's some practical ways that we can operate in boldness. Number one, belong to a strong community of believers. That's why you're at church today. That's why we join Bible studies. That's why our our closest friends need to be like-minded believers pursuing Jesus because they're the ones who can encourage us. They're the ones who can say, I know, Don, but you did a great job. You know, but I was freaking out. It's okay. The Holy Spirit's got it now. We need to belong to a very strong community. And what do you notice about this community? Look at these verses. It tells us they were unified in their purpose. They were unified in their mission. They were unified in their passion and their motivation, their passion for Jesus, their motivation for his glory, compelled by love, and therefore they went risking even death to preach the gospel because they were in one heart, one mind. What would happen if the body of Christ, the church, what if we actually got along? What if we actually treated Just the church. I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about churches, people who go to church. What if we were actually nice to each other? What if when we got offended, we forgave like we were commanded to instead of just running and talking bad about it? What if we just, I don't want to go to church anymore, full of sinful people. Yes, exactly. That's why we're here and we need each other. When someone says, I don't go to church, full of hypocrites, you say, yes, we are hypocrites. That's why we need Jesus. We want to do what is right, but we have a hard time. That's why we need Jesus. When people say, Don, you're hypocrites, I said, yes, we are. I don't argue because we are. Why act like we're not? Well, I'm not. Well, good for you. But the majority of the reputation of the church in America is that it's full of people 
who don't live like Jesus? What if we lived like Jesus? You see how they took care of each other? See how they were willing to go out of their way to give of what they had to take care of one another? What if the body of Christ loved like Jesus told us to love? In fact, Jesus in John 13, 35 says, well, 34, I give you a new command. Love your neighbor as I love you. Remember the old commandment, love your neighbor as yourself? Jesus goes, let me just raise the bar. Love your neighbor as I love you. Then he makes a profound statement, church, verse 35. This is what he says. If you will love as I love you, then the world will know you truly are my disciples. My mom's best friend, she's an amazing woman. I grew up with her. And um, I was visiting her with her on a couple of trips to Arizona ago. She's a highly intellectual woman. And she said to me, Don, let me ask you a question. It was her and my brother, and we were talking. I said, sure. She goes, when we get to heaven, what do you think God will really judge us on? I said, hmm. I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I said, how well we loved. She said, exactly. You are to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and you are to love your neighbor as yourself. But then Jesus said, as me. It's not going to be about how many people you raised from the dead or how many healings God did through you or prophecies or how many Bible studies you led or how many times you went to church, how much money you gave in the tithe. You know what he really cares about? How well did you love? You want to share your faith, love well. Let the people who, who you work with see how well you love. Show them love. Love like Jesus. So important. They took care of each other, and because of it, they were able to testify. Let's look again at verse 33. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. They testified powerfully. Why? Because they were full of the Holy Spirit, and they belonged to a community who felt the same way. That's what we need. So here's a model of what it looks like for us. Number one, we gotta be full of the Holy Spirit. Number two, you gotta pray for boldness. Number three, you gotta go and do. Be committed, number four, to a community of believers. Number five, love one another in a way that shows Jesus. And then, then number six, share your testimony. So I'm gonna give you very simple, we're gonna talk about three ways to share your faith, all right? I'm gonna be like Monette, say three. All right, we're going to keep you engaged because there's nothing to look at. Here we go. So everybody say, number one, live your faith. Say it. Live your faith. Yeah. Number two, share your story. Share your story. Number three, share his story. Share his story. These are the three things that we do to share our faith. Number one, we live it first. Be willing to share your story. That's your testimony. What has God done for you? Who were you before Christ? Who are you now because of Christ? What have you seen him do? How can he do that for somebody else? Then share his story. Now we're going to be in 1 Peter for I think, I think the rest of the morning. So go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to start 
We're going to jump all over this chapter, so we're going to have a little fun. We're going to read right now verse 13 through 17. Now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. So this is written by Peter, the same Peter who got in trouble because he had an anger problem. <laughs> the same Peter that had a tendency to say what was on his mind, even to Jesus, right? He even reprimanded Jesus. I love Peter. Peter is a lot like us, if we're honest. And on the night that Jesus was about to be betrayed, he told Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, no, I'm not. I will die for you. <laughs> Jesus looked at him with love, smiled, and said, I've prayed for you. When you are restored, strengthen your brothers. It's amazing because Jesus looked at Peter, one of his best friends, one of the top three, right? He looked at one of his best friends. He said, Peter, you are going to deny me. I know you think you're going to die for me, but you will deny me three times. But when you do and you're restored, strengthen your brothers. I'm so thankful that Jesus doesn't give up on us when we deny him. There's times that we're, we've been nudged to share our faith and we were too scared to do it. That's denying him. <laughs> Are you a believer? Uh, I'm not religious. Right? How many times, like, people kind of, they want to ask you a little bit about it. So are you, like, spiritual? Yeah, I'm spiritual. And we're afraid to say the name of Jesus. You know, do you go to church? Yeah. And inside you're like, where is this going? What am I going to do? What are they going to think of me? They probably think I'm weird. But come on, let's be honest how the word. And like Peter, how many times have we denied Jesus? But Jesus restores Peter and on the day of the Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit falls, who gets up and preaches with boldness about Jesus? Peter. Peter gets up, and then there was a boldness in Peter that he never denied Jesus again. And he suffered for the message of Jesus. And in this verse that we just read, the context is suffering because of Jesus. When you share the gospel of Jesus, it won't always go well. People will make fun of you. I've been made fun of. I've been mocked. I've been excluded. It's okay. Jesus was too. In fact, Jesus said in John 15, don't be surprised if the world hates you. They hated me first. And so here's the context is about suffering for Jesus. But I want you to, to look at this verse again. Here we go. Verse, I can't read without my glasses. Yeah, 16. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Pause right there. This is Peter, Mr. Brash, run his mouth, say whatever comes to him. Now look at him. Be gentle. Be respectful. I want to pause there because sometimes we think it's our responsibility to convince somebody to be a believer. It's not. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Your job and my job is just to share the gospel. My story, his story. That's it. Whether they re respond or not is, is the Holy Spirit's job. Peter, Paul very clearly said, one waters, one plants, but God causes 
the growth. So here Peter is saying, you don't have to lecture. Don't be mean. Don't be disrespectful. Oh, yeah, you need Jesus. <laughs> don't bring politics into it. Just talk about Jesus in a gentle and respectful way. Continue reading the rest of the verse, please. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Because you belong to Christ, yeah. See what a good life you live. Number one, live your faith. Keep a clear conscience means in my heart, in my mind, I know I'm living for Jesus the best I can. It's not about being perfect. In fact, people who don't believe in Jesus would actually probably appreciate your, your humility and vulnerability. I don't got it figured out either, but I, I know enough about Jesus. I've experienced God's love and forgiveness. That's why I'm doing it, but I'm learning. You can learn too. You see the difference? You don't have to have it all right. You don't have to have it all figured out. I'm still learning. Just come with me while we learn together. A clear conscience means I know I'm not out there in living in what the Bible says is sin. But I'm doing what is right before the Lord. And therefore, no matter what they look at my life, they hear the message and then the Lord says, back it up with your life. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. If you lose its saltiness, it's not any good. You are the light of the world. Don't hide your light. He says, then the people will see your good deeds. Everybody say good deeds. They'll see your good deeds and they will glorify God in heaven. The way you and I live our life will open up doors for people to know Jesus Christ. So everybody say live your faith. All right, so just a few verses before that, Peter tells us what a good life looks like, okay? The good that we are to live in our life. Let's look at verses 8 through 12. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. All right, so Peter is outlining what it means to live your faith, okay? So here, you have homework. This week, take this group of scriptures and pray and identify where the Holy Spirit can do a better work in us, amen? Okay, you look at this, so what does a good life look like? Well, I'm going to summarize it for you, but this week I want you to read it and study it and really understand it. But he said, number one, we got to live in unity, right? Sympathize with each other means this, be patient and understanding, don't judge. Don't criticize. Understand, be willing to understand each other. Sympathize, be understand, be patient with each other, right? Amen. Then he goes on. And he says that love each other. There it is again. Love each other. Say it. Love each other. We have to forgive one another. Don't repay evil for evil. Now, I'll get back at you. I believe in the fivefold ministry. One, two, three, four, five. 
The Lord says we must forgive. Don't repay evil for evil. But overcome, Romans 12 says, overcome evil with good. By doing good. Being kind when that person is rude to you. Showing respect even though they disrespect you. Praying for them. Blessing them. So everybody say, bless, don't retaliate. So maybe, maybe instead of avoiding them, buy them their favorite drink. Because I, 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 won't, I won't repay evil for evil, but I'm just going to avoid them. Oh, there they are. <laughs> That's how we deal with difficult people. That's not Christ-like. Get out of your comfort zone. Hey, here you go. I noticed you like to drink this. I just wanted to do something nice for you. Leave it and go. You can not imagine the impact that will make. You don't have to say, I'm doing this because Jesus is making me. I just want to do something nice for you. What if we were really nice to the people we work with? And then it goes on and it summarizes from Psalms, but it basically says, be people who are honest, who have integrity, be a peacemaker, pray. And Peter says, if you'll live like this, people will notice, and then they're going to ask you about it. And when they ask you about it, those are the next verses, 15 through 17, when they ask you about it, then be ready. Everybody say, be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Now, this is the next part. Share your story. So you got to be ready to share your story, okay? Now, your story is your testimony. If you don't have your testimony, like, where you can share it, don't have an hour-long testimony. Nobody wants to listen to your hour-long story. For those of you who like details, you might want to edit a little bit. I'm just trying to be practical. Because if you get five minutes into it, they're like, their eyes roll over and they're thinking about food or their job or their task, right? So know your story in a condensed like three-minute story. This is who I was before Jesus. This is where I was struggling. This is how I found Jesus. And now this is what I experienced because of my faith in Jesus. That's it. And you don't have to go into your gory details of your past. If your past got all kinds of details and gory details, you don't have to go there. You don't have to tell people your business. It's under the blood. But you could say, I was lost. I was struggling. The darkness was real. The things I've been through, man. And I was, I was dealing with depression or I was full of fear or anxiety. I was lost. And then my friend told me about Jesus. And I, I heard about what he did for me and and I chose to put my faith in him and everything just changed in that moment. I can't explain it, but all of a sudden the darkness lifted. Peace. Now I've got something to hold on to. See how nice and short that story was. So you have more homework. Man, Don, you got homework today. Yeah, I do. Number two, homework. Write down your testimony. Try to keep it within three to five minutes. Who were you before Christ? How did you hear about Christ? And what have you experienced because of your faith in Christ? Okay? If you're taking notes, write it down. If you're on your phone, we used to take notes in church, you know. This is so good, I know. Going to help you share your faith. Live your faith. Share your story. Now, 
couple of practical things. Don't share your story when you're supposed to be working. When you're working, work. Okay? Now, if you can talk while you work and it comes up, that's fine. But if you're one of those people that can't multitask and now you're just talking and you're not working, say, can we talk? Can I take you out to coffee? Can we go to lunch tomorrow? I'd like to tell you about this. Because you and I need to represent Christ in our workplace. So when I'm being paid to work and I'm not working, I'm stealing from my boss. Yeah? So if someone asks you about your faith and you're working, say, hey, can we talk about this? I'll take you to lunch. My treat. Come on, if you offer to pay, you know they're going to go. Can I take you to the coffee shop? Sit down, I'll tell you more about it. When you share, don't lecture. It is not your job to convince. Just share. Just share. Dialogue. You know, Jesus gives us a really good model in, in John chapter 4. We're not going to read it. We don't have time. But the woman at the well, he just engaged her in conversation. He asked questions and he listened. Sometimes before you get a chance to tell about Jesus, you need to listen to their story. That's 2B. So 2A, share your story. 2B, listen to their story. Because they don't care what you know until they know you care. So when you share your story, what if you took time to ask their story? To listen to them. To have compassion on them. And while you're listening, be listening to the Holy Spirit for how he wants you to use what they're sharing to now share his story. Oh, this is good stuff. Because that's what Jesus did with the woman at the well. He said, go get your husband. She said, well, I don't have one. He's like, I know. <laughs> she starts talking about where to worship. Us Samaritans say we worship here. You Jews say you worship there. She was deflecting. Oh, now you got into a little thing that's a little too personal. Did Jesus push the personal thing? No. If you start to see they're getting a little defensive and you're getting a, like they're feeling a little like, oh, don't push it. Let the Holy Spirit do that. Be willing to redirect conversation. So Jesus said, there's a time coming when we won't worship here or there because my father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And she says, now I know you must be the Messiah. He didn't push her issues of living with a man, being married five times or divorced. We don't know the story. He didn't shame her for it. He didn't condemn her for it. He didn't lecture her for it. He engaged her in conversation that led her to the realization that he was what she was looking for all along. And if you and I could learn how to engage in conversation with someone who's ready, who, who either the Holy Spirit said they're ready or they've asked you about your faith, if you're religious or spiritual, because those were a lot of the questions I got at, at the hospital. So you're like religious, huh? And I would laugh. I was like, why do you say that? Well, because we heard you go to church every weekend. And I was like, yeah, I do. We heard you take your vacations on mission trips. I was like, yeah. 
Why? That was a good question. And depending on the situation, there were times that I would just share a little bit, leave them wanting more, so we could have a, a further conversation. And other times, the Holy Spirit said, now share the faith. Can I tell you, there's been times, in, just in, in my experience of the hospitals, what I'm going to draw from is there were times that we would stay late after we've clocked out, and one of my coworkers, she was my age, we were great friends, we went out to eat and watch movies and all that. And she's like, Dawn, I hear, I see your life, I see what you have, I want it, but I can't get over this one thing. And I said, Jesus doesn't care about this one thing. She's like, I just don't think I could, I could let go of it. And I said, well, because in my mind, I knew if Jesus can take care of the one thing. I said, it doesn't matter, he loves you so much, you just have to say yes. She was just crying. We're in the break room, she was crying. She says, I want to, but I can't. She never accepted Jesus. I stayed a good friend. Hear me. If they reject Jesus, they're not rejecting you. I stayed a good friend. We still talked. You know, once I quit my job, looked by face, she hooked me, she looked me up a couple years later on Facebook and gave me a huge donation, even though she doesn't believe in Jesus. You don't know. I'm praying for her. I've had others. Say, yes, I want to know more. Can you get me a Bible? Can you help me plug into a church? And they decided to follow Jesus. And then I had another one. The Holy Spirit said, now. And my heart was like this. And I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, everything starts racing. And I was like, okay. So I, I follow her. And I said, I'm sorry. Um, you know how we were just talking about my faith? She goes, yeah. Would you like to put your faith in Jesus Christ? She said, no. I was like, that was not the answer I was expecting because the Holy Spirit told me to go and I thought she would be like, yeah. she said, no. And I was like, oh, okay, no problem. And I treated her exactly the same before and after. Why? Because I do not want to be a stumbling block to anybody, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Live your life in such a good way that all they see is Jesus. That all they see is Jesus. So you got to share your story. So number one, live your faith. Say it again. Live my faith. Number two, share my story. Listen to their story. And then the last one, share his story. All right. I think I'm done. You can sit down. Thank you, Colleen. Give her some appreciation. So here, here's, here's some easy ways to share his story. Number one, keep it simple. Keep it simple. You don't have to be a theologian to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you overcomplicate it, you'll probably lose them. You didn't get a theological lecture when you received Jesus, did you? Keep it simple. Tell your neighbor, keep it simple. So there's four basic things that you have to know when you tell his story. Four basic things, okay? Number one, these is, this is really important. Four however you tell it, these are the four things you need to tell. Number one, God's love. God's love. God loves the world so much. He, he wants relationship with you. He loves you. God's love. Number two, man's sin. Man's sin. Right? Because... We're not perfect. God is a perfect God, and we're not. We mess up. 
And that causes a break. That causes a, a, a separation in our relationship with God. But God loves us so much, he doesn't want to live separate from us. He wants a relationship with us, but sin keeps us separated from God. Got it? So number one, God's love. Number two, man's sin. Number three, Christ's death. So that separation between us and God was because of our sin. So he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth. He died on the cross to pay the punishment of our sins. He bridged the gap so that whoever believes in Jesus, that separation is now closed and you get to have a relationship with God. You get his peace, his love, his life. Christ's death gives us right relationship with God. And then number four, here we say, our response. Once you share his story, you need to give an opportunity for them to respond. Don't be so scared and that you're just like, okay, so God loved the world and, and, and sin separated us, but Jesus died for us. And if you live for him, then, then you'll have forgiveness of sins and you can go to heaven. Okay, bye, I'll talk to you later. You have to give them a an opportunity to respond. How do you do that? So what do you think of that? Did what I say make sense to you? Ask them some questions. Do you, have, do you have any questions about that? Does that make sense? They say, no, I think I, think I get it. Would you like to choose to put your faith in Jesus and to learn how to live the new life he gave you? No. Okay, no problem. I love you. Still be nice. Yes. Lead them in a prayer. A simple prayer. Please don't pray. Some of you can pray for a long time. This is not that time. I'm trying to be real, real. Dear Father in heaven, I will be thy name, thy kingdom. You're going to lose them. Just pray a simple prayer and ask them to repeat after you. Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. Forgive me. I choose to live for you. Amen. Keep it simple. You don't need to lead them in an hour-long prayer service. They're not ready for it. Most of you ain't ready for that. Don't lead them in that. So number one, God's love. Say it, God's love. Number two, man's death. Number three, no, man's death, man's sin. <laughs> it was a test. Number two, man's sin. Number three, Christ's death. Number four, respond. That's the four things you need to share his story. God's love, man's sin, Christ's death, and then respond. Here's the last thing. The last thing. Pray. Pray for your lost friends and family. Pray that their heart would be softened. Pray that if God is wanting you to share with them, that he would, that you would know. Pray that they would be saved. That, that scripture I read, read last week in Matthew 7, that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are tender and responsive so that we will repent and be healed. Pray that over them. Lord, I pray that my nephew, his eyes would be open. His ears would be open. My nephew's saved, but I'm just using 
example. His heart would be tender and responsive so that he will turn to you, Jesus, and be healed. Pray for them. Pray for your lost friends and family. I've been praying for my uncle, my dad's older brother, since I was a little girl. I've been praying that he would come to faith in Jesus Christ. The challenge is his dad, my grandfather, was abusive. My grandfather was a Christian who read the Bible every night and beat his wife and abused his kids and neglected them. And my uncle said to me, because I wrote him a long letter because the Holy Spirit told me to. And he, he's my favorite uncle and I'm his favorite niece. Hopefully none of my family are watching that. But the Holy Spirit told me to write him a letter. So I wrote him a letter telling him how much I love him, how much I'm so grateful he's a part of my life and all these things. And then I shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then I ended it asking him to give his life to Jesus. He replied with a four-page typed letter explaining what their childhood was like. He said, how could I believe in a God who would let my father go to heaven when he did everything he did and then not me, I'm a good man. I never abused my wife, I'm a good father. But he won't let me into heaven because I don't believe in him. I can't put my faith in that kind of God. He said, Don, don't, I love you, but don't ever, ever bring this up to me again. And I said, I love you too, and I won't. But I can pray. And I haven't stopped praying. And when he got cancer, who does he call and ask for prayer? <laughs> when the things in his life gets a little, he looks to my family to pray. And now I'm hearing him say things like, I'm blessed. He started attending church with his son when he moved to Minnesota. Pray for me because my family were going to Minnesota in June to go to his house. He's so excited. And I've been asking the Lord, Lord, should I bring it up again or not? Because he told me not to. That was 15 years ago. Do I do it or not? You have to be willing to be rejected. But it's not on you. My uncle and I, we love each other still. We still get, when, when he lived in San Francisco, every time I was in town, we had dinner together. I still call him and talk to him. There's no hard feelings. But it shows you the danger if you try to preach the good news of Jesus and he don't live like it because my granddad made it so that he never wanted to believe in Jesus. But God. So pray. Pray for your friends and your family who aren't saved. Okay? Number two. Pray for opportunities to share the message of Jesus. Look for it. Pray. Don't pray and say, Lord, show me who to share your gospel with and then walk around like this. Because we're scared. That's why we pray, number three, for boldness. We pray for boldness. We pray for boldness. I want to invite you to stand to your feet. This week, our Bible engagement, I'm going to ask Tim to come on up. This week, our Bible engagement project is about sharing our faith. And I hope I've given you some practical help in sharing your faith. First, by living it. And then knowing your story. So what's your homework? Read 1 Peter 3. And then write your testimony in a concise way. I'm going to turn it over to Brother Tim. Let's everybody bow our heads. I'm going to read something really short. 
This is actually lyrics to a song. And if you don't mind just listening to them, and let God just minister to you. It's published in 1966, and it became really popular during the Jesus People Movement in 1969. And the title of the song is, They Will Know We Are Christians By Our Love. And this message reminded me of the song that came to mind. I don't know why. It says, we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored. And the chorus is, and they'll know we are Christians by our love. By our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. It says, we will walk with each other, we will walk hand in hand. We will walk with each other, we will walk hand in hand. And together we'll spread the news that God is in our land. We still need to do that. It says, we'll work with each other. We'll work side by side. We'll guard each man's dignity and save each man's pride. All praise to the Father from whom all things come. All praise to Christ Jesus, his only son. And all praise to the Spirit who makes us one. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. By our love. So, Father, show us how to love. So that when we share your gospel, Lord, the people will see it reflected in our lives, in our families, and they'll want you too. Father, and for our family members who don't know you, our friends who don't know you, Father, we ask that you continue to work on their hearts. Father, that you would one day be real to them. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to come in and learn and to be with each other. We thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Be blessed today. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Visit us in person or online at hwcim.org.